We will turn, please, again to Ezekiel 42. Ezekiel 42 and the verse 13. Ezekiel 42, verse 13. Then said he unto me, The north chambers and the south chambers, which are before the separate place, they be holy chambers, where the priests that approach unto the Lord shall eat the most holy things. There shall they lay the most holy things, and the meat offering, and the sin offering, and the trespass offering, for the place is holy. When the priests there enter therein, then shall they not go out of the holy place into the utter court, but there they shall lay their garments wherein they minister, for they are holy, and shall put on other garments, and shall approach to those things which are for the people. We'll seek the Lord's face together in prayer. We need the Lord's help as we come to the preaching. Let us look to the Lord together, please. Our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for Thy Word. And Lord, we cry to Thee that Thou wilt be pleased to come and grant Thy help through this season of preaching, we pray. O Lord, we recognize that these chapters contain things that are hard to be understood. And yet we thank Thee that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Bless our devotion this evening then, we pray. Come and write thy holy word upon our hearts, we pray in our Lord's great name. Amen. Amen. The Old Testament priests played a very vital role both in the Old Testament tabernacle and in the temple of Solomon. The priests had a very pivotal role in the Old Testament. And so in the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, there was this great pointing forward to Christ and his gospel. Now, the New Testament fulfillment of the priest is not, as Rome would teach, a sacrificing priest operating at an altar in the Mass, Calvin in his institute said, The Lord hath given us a table at which to feast, not an altar on which a victim is to be offered. He is not consecrated priests to make sacrifice, but servants to distribute the sacred feast. And the Old Testament priest then pointed forward to Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest, but then also pointed forward to every believer, that every believer today is a New Testament spiritual priest. And we believe then what is often referred to as the priesthood of all believers. Uh, Peter spoke of that in 1 Peter 2, 5, of how we're not only a temple, a house, we're also a priesthood. He also is livelier living stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices 
acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so we have not come this evening with a literal physical sacrifice of an animal with blood. But we have come afresh to offer our spiritual sacrifices as we are to offer unto the Lord day and daily. Our sacrifice of praise, our sacrifice of prayer. We are to be a people that offer spiritual sacrifices. And so in the New Testament, we see then that true believers are this spiritual house uh, as well as this spiritual priesthood. It's wrong then to claim that ministers of the gospel are somehow superior to the rest of the people of God. Yet, the New Testament does speak of the important role of ministers. The office of the preaching elder is to be honored. Some then have taken the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers and they've applied it in a very unbiblical way. And so there are many today, sadly, and they have this idea that there's no need to sit under a preaching ministry. There's no need to be part of a gospel preaching church. And their idea is, since we are all spiritual priests, then we don't need to be part of fellowship and we don't need to be under preaching. Well, as I say, that is most unbiblical. And perhaps the fact that some preach or believe that shows that they would need to be uh, under preaching to be shown uh, the biblical way. Uh, The New Testament clearly shows that the gospel is advanced through the establishment of churches. Uh, And so in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, how did the work of God advance? Through the establishment of churches. Those churches were to have officers including the ministry of the Word. There are those then within the churches whose life work is gospel work. 1 Corinthians 9.14 Even so hath the Lord ordained, they that preach the gospel should live off the gospel. And so as I say, those that worship at home refusing to be part of a church, and so in our own land there are those that would love to be in proximity to a church and on account of distance are not able to, but others, they are in proximity, but they reject the local church. They are saying something quite contrary to the New Testament. In Ezekiel's temple, we... Uh, of this fulfillment, as I've suggested before, in the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation chapter 21, the city for square. But there's also a fulfillment, at least in part, in the gospel. Uh, the church that Christ is building is indeed a building not made with hands. Uh, and this evening, as we come to chapter 42, uh, we see uh, just in these two verses that we want to focus on, though there are other details about the measurements of these Uh, chambers for the priests. So in verses 13 and 14, we have details not just about measurement, but details about what these chambers for the priests 
were actually for. So there were three stories, three levels, uh, 30 chambers on each level. And uh, so much of the chapter is taken up with these chambers, though we also read a little more about the separate place uh, as well as the measurement of the outer court. Now, as we look at verses 13 and 14, speaking about these priests in the chambers, we have to ask, how are these words to be understood? And how do they relate to you and I? Now, evidently, as I've said before, this was to be a great encouragement for Ezekiel and those with him, that there was to be a building again of a literal building, though it wouldn't match these measurements, But there was to be the establishment again of a priesthood back in Jerusalem. But for us, we are pointed surely to our future. Our Lord said in John 14 in the upper room, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Or in my Father's house are many dwelling places. The Lord has a place above. For his priests. So we're all going to be priests in heaven. And the Lord has a a place for the priests. And certainly these chambers point forward to that. But then there are lessons for our present service. In Revelation 20 in the verse 6. Which is of course before the new heaven And the new earth, speaking of the thousand years, Revelation 20, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, and such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Kings and priests for a thousand years. And I believe then that as the the letter to Peter also suggests that We are kings and priests today in that spiritual sense unto the Lord. We're a kingdom of priests. And so I want us to think then about lessons from the priests in the chambers. I want to say first of all with you that there are here privileges through the gospel. Privileges through the gospel. If you look at verse 13... Then said he unto me, The north chambers and the south chambers, which are before the separate place, they be holy chambers, where the priests that approach unto the Lord shall eat. Where the priests that approach unto the Lord. These chambers provide accommodation for priests that approach Unto the Lord. Here I say is the privilege. For God's word is clear that sin has cut man off from God. Sin keeps man from being able to approach unto a holy God. Yet here are most wonderful words that there are these chambers, there's this accommodation for the priests that approach unto the Lord. There are a people that are able to draw nigh. There are people that are able to approach the Almighty. Now, how could they dare? How could these priests, who like everyone else born of Adam, 
have been conceived in sin, how could they approach? Again, it is as we've been seeing in these previous chapters, it is only through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, his person and work. And so these words, they approach unto the Lord. It is speaking of a people that are engaged in service. A people that have the work of intercession. Remember, this is why they would go to the holy place. They would go to that altar of incense and they would pray. But we see here there is this access. And in order that they might do this work, they had to have a holy dress. And so the great emphasis in this particular, or in these particular words, is on holiness. And so they dwell in holy chambers. They come to the holy place. They labor with the holy things that includes the sacrifices. But then we see that they wear holy garments. In verse 14, when the priests enter therein, they, then shall they not go out of the holy place into the utter, the outer court, but there they shall lay their garments. Now we'll come to the laying of the garments later. But we see here that for their work there had to be the wearing of the garments. Their garments were in they minister, for they are holy. They had to wear these holy garments. And so here was their privilege. They could approach and they would come wearing these beautiful garments, these holy garments that were provided. And doesn't this remind us of Zechariah 3, where we have Joshua the high priest. And it's not the same Joshua of the book of Joshua. It's much later in history. Joshua the high priest, and he comes to minister before the Lord. But Satan is at the right hand to resist him. Satan is there as the adversary. Very literally, in Zechariah 3 verse 1, it has the idea of Satan there to Satan him. The adversary there to be an adversary, to oppose him. And what was the charge? The charge of the adversary was this man is wearing unclean garments. But the gospel is presented. In Zechariah 3 verse 4, we have the words, Take away the filthy garments. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And so as the priests would go in, wearing the garments, it is speaking of the access of the Christian. That as we go in prayer to God, as we've even come to this afternoon to engage in worship as we've entered into this building and by faith to enter into the courts of heaven, we come and we have access because spiritually speaking, we are wearing holy garments. We are wearing that garment of the imputed righteousness. That is, the true believer is wearing the garment of the imputed righteousness of our Lord Jesus in Revelation chapter 21, maybe we could turn there. We did look at these words a couple of weeks back. Revelation 21 and verse 2. I, John, 
saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, out of heaven, prepared, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And so the church, the bride, is seen to be dressed. And if you go back a couple of chapters then, Revelation 19, verse 7. Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And so here is the, the bride. The bride is said to be ready, verse 7. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in white, sorry, in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness, or the fine linen is the righteousnesses of saints. Sadly, many of the modern versions translate the end of verse 8 in a very different way. Many of the modern versions translate the end of verse 8, the fine linen are the righteous acts of the saints. The fine linen that God's people are dressed in in heaven is not their righteous deeds. The fine linen is the imputed righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now when there is that righteousness imputed, there is to be then a righteousness that is practiced, but we are accepted before God not on the basis of our, of our righteous acts. And so these priests going in before the Lord, how did they approach? Not in their own dress, as it were. They had to go in the holy garments. And we cannot stitch those garments together. We come in the garments that are provided. And that's so beautifully described in Matthew 22 where we have the parable about the, the wedding, Matthew 22, and there's one that dared to go to the wedding without the wedding garment, Matthew 22, verse 12. How camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And it has to be understood that in those days, that to come to the wedding, you came in the clothing that was provided, that was convenient for those that were invited, perhaps not the cheapest option for those that were doing the inviting. But we see then that to enter into God's glory, we have to come in the garments the Lord has provided. And even to come to the throne of grace, we have to come in the garment that the Lord has provided, the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, coming back to Ezekiel 42 then, there are these chambers. These chambers where the priests then are able to dwell. And they're able to dwell there so that they can approach unto the Lord. And isn't the idea then that there is access day and night? They're there dwelling in the chambers that are by the holy place, that whether it's night or day, they can approach unto the Lord. This was so in Solomon's temple. 1 Chronicles 9.33, it speaks about the singers being in the chambers. 
because they were employed in the work day and night. So the chambers were provided so that they could always engage in their work. And it will be so in eternity. Revelation 7:15. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And so the chambers, insofar as they're pointing us to eternity, they are reminding us there will be no ceasing from service. We will serve day and night as it were. Of course, there is no night, but we will ever be engaged in service. But for us today, then, surely there is this sense. There's always the way of approach. The Lord never closes the door to us in the sense that he never says you may not come. But as we're dressed in the imputed righteousness of Christ, We are the spiritual priests that approach unto the Lord. May it be so that we do approach. Remember, as Ezekiel is seeing this vision, he was, on account of his birth, he was to be a priest. He never had that privilege to enter into the literal, physical Old Testament priesthood. Providence had prevented it. But the Lord shows him something very precious. Ezekiel, you're not deprived. For through the gospel of Christ, you approach unto the Lord. So here is the message for us tonight. We're the spiritual priests. That approach. The Lord has the chambers for us, as it were, to dwell in. We're to abide in the in the secret place. We're to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That we might approach unto the Lord. Here are the great privileges through the gospel. But then I want to see the partaking of the gospel. For again, there is this detail towards the middle of verse 3 of eating. And so the chambers were not just for sleeping actually we don't read of sleeping here though i think it's implied but they were for eating and so in verse 13 towards the end of verse 18 sorry the verse 13 we read of the meat offering or the meal offering the sin offering and the trespass offering and i'm not going to go into all of those offerings this evening But in each of those three, there were portions that were reserved for the priests. And so in the Old Testament, in all three of those uh, sacrifices, these offerings that are being referred to, there was a portion that was reserved for the priests. So there was the offering to God, but then the priests would partake. They were blessed through it. Their need was supplied through it. And so for these priests to engage in their service, they had to have the Lord's portion. And for these priests to be enabled to do the work that they were called to do, they needed to be fed, they needed to be supplied. And so then for the spiritual priests today, in order to engage in the ministry of offering the spiritual sacrifices, 
In order to offer our praise, in order to come and pray right, there has to be this feeding. And we feed then upon the meal offering. The meal offering had no leaven in it. It was, there was no corruption in it. And so it points us to Jesus Christ himself. Remember how in John chapter 6, the Lord there was building upon the, or drawing upon the theme of the, the multiplied bread, the feeding of the 5,000. And he links that bread then to speak of himself. He is the living bread. And he talks about the manna. In the days of Moses, the manna came down from heaven. And Jesus Christ then is that living bread, the manna that has come down from heaven. Now in that meal offering, there was continual remembrance of the manna. And so later if you look up in Leviticus chapter 6, the verse 10, the verse 20, you'll read there about the Omer and the Ephah. And if you remember back in the wilderness, how was the manna measured, the omer and the ephah. So when they had this meal offering, they were being reminded of the manna in the wilderness. And so what is this all telling us as we think of all of these great themes that run through the word of God? We feed upon Jesus Christ himself. He is our meal offering He is our manna. But then he is also the sin offering and the trespass offering. Our sins and our trespasses have been put away. And for these New the Old Testament priests, there was a feast. And so for the New Testament priest, there is a great feast. It's the gospel as it's provided in Jesus Christ. Uh, Again, In the parables in Luke 14, we read there of a certain man that had a great supper. And in this great feast, many were invited. And the gospel then is a feast. We have been invited to come and partake. Come and feast in forgiveness. Come and feast on pardon for sin. Come and Receive peace of conscience, partake. As the priests partook, they were enabled to carry on their ministry. And so for you and I today, if we are to do this spiritual work, and we are to, the Lord has saved us to serve, then we need to feed upon the man. We're not to neglect the word of God. But then I want to see with you, thirdly, There's not only the privileges here in the partaking, but there is the publishing of the gospel. In the verse 14, we have very unusual detail there. Uh, Unusual in the sense that these words are pointing forward to great gospel realities. But it speaks here of the priests laying off their garments so verse 14, when the priests enter therein, they shall, shall they not go out of the holy place unto the other court, but there they shall lay their garments wherein they minister, for they are holy, and they shall put on other garments. And I was pondering over this. 
What can this mean? Laying aside the holy garments and putting on other garments. We cannot, of course, be divested of our robe of righteousness. We dare not live for a moment without the righteousness of Christ. If you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter and the chapter 2. 1 Peter 2 and the verse 9. 1 Peter 2 and the verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I believe here is the explanation, the latter part of this verse 9. You see, as we begin that verse 9, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. We might expect that Peter would say to approach unto the Lord and to offer spiritual sacrifices. Now, of course, that is absolutely true. And Peter shows us that up in verse 5, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And so what he is explaining in verse 5 is the equivalent to what we have in Ezekiel 42, approaching unto the Lord. But then in Ezekiel 42, we also read about the approaching unto the people. And so 1 Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that you should show forth the praises of him. You're to approach unto the people. The words that are translated there, show forth, or the word, I should say, that's translated into words, show forth. It's related to the word evangel, the good news, the gospel. That is, your royal priests to herald, to bring the good news of the gospel. And so looking back in Ezekiel 42 and the verse 14, down towards the end of the verse it says, They shall put on other garments and shall approach to those things which are for the people. Now as I've said, we're not divested of the imputed righteousness of Christ. But when we go out to the people, when we go out to those that are not converted, as the world look upon us, they do not see us being adorned in a robe of righteousness. They deny our great gospel standing. They deny that we're a chosen generation. They deny that we are a royal priesthood. And so though they do not see what the Lord sees, Though they do not see that imputed righteousness, we are to set forth the gospel to them. We are to proclaim the evangel. And so Ezekiel is showing us that yes, we approach God, but we are also to approach man. We're still to be that 
holy people. And so later in 1 Peter 2, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. And so the ungodly, they'll be the first to point the finger at our failures. And so Peter is saying, let us guard our testimonies, abstain from fleshly lusts. Verse 12, having your conversation, your conduct honest among Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may by your good works, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now whether that day of visitation for a particular individual is when their eyes are opened, and of course that's what we long for, that their eyes would be opened, that the Lord would visit them in that way that they would come to see that the gospel is truly the good news, that the message set forth to them is to the truth, that is our longing. Or for some it will be the day of visitation, It's the day of judgment, again, when their eyes are open to the truth, but they will have to glorify God. That though we were not an aroma of life unto life to them, that we were those spiritual priests that approached unto them in those things which are for the people. May the Lord help us to go forth and to carry the good news to a lost world. Praise God, while we as priests fail, there is one priest who is absolutely perfect, the great high priest. All of our hope is in him. May all of our focus be in him. May we be enabled then not only to partake afresh from him tonight, but to go forth proclaiming him. May the Lord take his word and write it upon all of our hearts. Amen. We're going to turn in closing, please, to the words of the hymn 134. One. 134, before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest, whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. I think we'll take time to sing it all. So one, three, four, standing as we sing in closing. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Say it.
to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin Savior died my sinful soul is pointed free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me look on him and pardon me behold him there the risen lamb my perfect spotless righteousness the great unchangeable I am the King of glory and of grace one with himself I my soul is purchased by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my Savior and my God with Christ my Savior and my God. Our gracious Father, we pray, dear Lord, that Thou will take Thy Word and seal it to every heart. We pray that we will be built up in Thyself. And Lord, help us, we pray, to engage in the work that Thou saved us to do to be those spiritual priests. O oh Lord, be with us as we part, and we pray that through this week that we will be enabled to be a bright testimony for Thee. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen.